I was on the way over here this morning and I was praying. Pastor Bob and I were driving in and this, I was just praying. I was really praying. God, I need you to, to move. Stay, um, stay with us. You know, continue to bless us. Continue to, to move in our house. And then this truck flies right by us going really fast and hit devil horns on the truck. I was like, nope, not today. We are not having that. So God's been here all weekend and he's been moving. His spirit is powerful. It's so thick in the atmosphere. You can feel it. And I know that when you come expecting something, he will deliver. That's just who he is. We had a beautiful um, night of prayer and worship on Friday. So if you missed it, you don't want to miss these guys. There was a movement of God in this house. It was very powerful. I know there were chains broken. Things were healed. People were delivered. And, And not just that. People were ministered to because you see, when we, when we pour out our highest praise to God, he touches us. There's a story in the Bible of Jacob going up and and the angels coming up and down the ladder to provide for Jacob. Well, here's the deal. The angels come down with something from God as we pour out our praise back up to God. They stake our praise up and they bring us something down from God. And it's not that you praise him to get something. It's just a spiritual principle. The Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. So he's been here all weekend, and he's here right now. And if you came in here expecting something, he will meet you there. He will meet you there. Let me just pray before we get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the day. I thank you that you are mighty, and you are mighty to save. You are the same God. You split the waters so the Israelites could walk through on dry ground. We thank you for that, Lord. And God, I pray that you just... Take control of my mind, my will, my emotions, the breath in my lungs, my vocal cords. I surrender them to you, Father, and I ask you to speak through me. Push me out of the way. You've given me a rich word. And, Father, I pray that you just pour it out through me. Push me out of the way. Don't let anything that's not from you come out of my mouth, God, because I want every single one of us, me included, to be changed from the inside out by you, by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So have you ever had that feeling where, you know, you just don't really feel satisfied, like, like something's amiss, like something's missing, kind of like, I don't know, maybe, maybe like um, there's a longing or a yearning. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had that feeling where no matter what, you know, things can be going great in your life and there's just this something's missing, like you don't feel satisfied. Well, you know, there's a reason for that. Because God created us with a God-sized hole in our hearts. And the only thing that's ever going to fill that hole is God himself. That's the way he created us. You know, you may think you need a bigger house because, you know, you need peace. I need peace. I get these kids upstairs so I can have some peace downstairs. Or you may try to buy the newest gadget to make you more productive, make you more productive, make life easier. But none of that ever really works, right? It's because we have a God-sized hole in our hearts that is meant to be filled by him. God is what makes us whole with a W. He makes us whole. And today, I want to talk about wholeness or, as it's also called, integrity. Integrity is one of our core values here at Pursuit Church because it matters to God. And, you know, when you think of that word integrity, you think, okay, well, that means like, you know, morality, um, being honest, fidelity, things like that. Well, yeah, that, that is part of it. Moral uprightness is a definition of integrity. But there's more than that. Integrity comes from the Latin root integritas or integer, which means 
whole or complete. And that's the definition I want to focus on today. Wholeness, being whole, is the foundation on which we can build not just a good life, but a whole life, a complete life. And maybe, you know, maybe you're thinking your life is great. You've got, you know, the house, the car, the kids, the dog, the cat, whatever. You're pretty complete, right? Maybe that's what you're thinking. But what if you lost all that tomorrow? Would your life still be whole? I came here to give you a new perspective on what it means to be whole, a new definition. And, you know, I can tell you firsthand, houses, cars, money in the bank account, that will never heal a broken heart. Never. There's no self-help book, no amount of drugs or alcohol or wine or booze or whatever you want to call it. No amount of that is ever going to take away shame or guilt or fear or the bitterness that comes with unforgiveness. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. He's the only one that will fill that God-sized hole in our hearts. Jesus came to make us whole, to heal us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And to give us a firm foundation on which we can build rich, full, whole lives. So that our lives will point others to him, so they can be whole too. You know, a few years back, I went to Houston. A really good friend of mine, I've known her since junior high, long time, y'all. I went to Houston because her mother had died. And so I went to the funeral and, you know, we were talking and I was praying with her and just kind of encouraging her. And she looked at me and she had these tears in her eyes and she just looked at me and she says, girl, you're not the same. You're not the same as you used to be. And I just kind of looked at her, you know, I wasn't going to say anything in that moment. But then a few other people, uh, old friends of ours at the funeral said the same thing to me. And you know what? They're right. I'm not the same. I'm not that same jacked up, broken down woman that I used to be because you know why? Jesus healed me of some stuff. He healed me of some stuff. And you know what? When Jesus heals you of some stuff, you're not the same. You don't look the same. You don't act the same. You don't even talk the same. And you know what? People are going to notice. And that's the point. That's the whole point. It's not just about us. We're here for a purpose. And you know what? There's a window of opportunity when people notice the different you, and that's the window you slide in and you tell them where your change came from. Now, I want to share a story with you from John chapter 5 today, and I'm going to do a little expository preaching. I haven't done that in a long time. I'm going to expose some things, and I pray that it's going to help some of us. So turn in your Bible, if you brought them, which I hope you did, turn in your Bible to John And it's the fourth book of the Bible. And while you're scrolling through or whatever you're doing, I'm going to just give you a little intel on John or on the Bible itself. The New Testament, the first four books are called the Gospels. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the reason they're called the Gospels is because they basically tell us everything we know about Jesus, right? And Jesus is called the good news. So this morning, we're going to learn some good news. So if you're there, let's look at John chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One 
who was there had been there, who had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, I want to stop real quick and say something about that. If you've been dealing with something for 38 years, that can make you feel invalid. That can make you feel like your life has no meaning, no purpose, invalid. This man was an invalid for 38 years laying there. So let's keep reading. Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been in this condition for a long time. And he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into that pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, somebody else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, immediately, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The Lord forbids you to carry your mat. (laughs) But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, well, who is this fellow who told you to pick up it, pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Now, this is an interesting story, but it leaves out some details, and that leaves us with questions. But we can't get bogged down wondering about the little details, because let me tell you something about the Bible. If it leaves out details, it's because they don't really add to the point. And a lot of times, people get so focused on the minutia of what's here and what's there, what they think Jesus means, that you're missing the point, man. And the first verse is a good example of details that don't really matter. Jesus was in Jerusalem for a Jewish festival. We don't know which one. It could have been any of the three they typically celebrated, right? But here's the point. The festival would have required him to have prepared spiritually and physically beforehand. But when Jesus gets to town, instead of going off and preparing for this festival, what does he do? He heads straight to a very non-religious place. He goes to this place that's known to be frequented by people that are looking for some kind of mystical, magical cure for whatever's going on in their lives. This place was called the Pool of Bethesda. And rumor had it that whenever this being came in and bubbled up the water, that the first person in the pool would be healed. They'd be healed of whatever was was ailing them. Well, that seems like a really strange place for Jesus to go, right? Right? especially when he's supposed to be somewhere else. But when Jesus gets into town, he heads straight there. You see, here's the deal. Jesus saw this guy and he knew, Bible tells us he saw him and he knew that he had been laying there for 38 years waiting to be healed. Guys, when you don't feel like God is anywhere near you or that he's even listening to you or paying attention, he sees you. He sees you and he knows what you need. He's always watching. He's Elroy, the God who sees me. This man needed some mercy, some grace. He needed a miracle. Now, we know he was Jewish because later on, the scripture tells us that Jesus saw him in the temple court. So we have to assume he had been praying to God all these years, asking for healing, asking for relief, and nothing changed. 38 years of praying to God and nothing changed. Maybe he gave up on God and decided, hey, man, I'm going to go over here where these other people are doing it. Maybe I can get some of that hocus-pocus magic stuff, and it might work. 
you know what? But before we, before we look at him and judge him, hey, what have you tried when God hasn't answered your prayers? What have you done? I know what I've done. You know, after so many years of unanswered prayers, it's tempting to give up, to think, man, God doesn't care. He's got bigger fish to fry. He's got other things to do. He don't care about my problems, my stuff. That's what this guy did, right? But you know what? God heard his prayers because Jesus sought him out. It wasn't the other way around. Jesus came into town and went straight to this guy. Supposed to be somewhere else. And he went straight to this man because he had an agenda. Let me tell you something. Bethesda means house of mercy or grace. This paralyzed man who'd basically given up on God was laying on a sidewalk in a place called house of mercy. This man had no idea he was about to receive the endless, infinite mercy of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice something else. This pool was located by the sheep gate. See those details? The details that matter are there. The pool of the Bethesda is known as Bethesda is house of mercy or grace. The sheep gate in John 10, 7, Jesus refers to himself as the sheep gate. And he says, nobody can get to God unless they come through me. Ooh, friend, if you need some mercy, you need some grace, go through the sheep gate. And that's where you'll find it. Go through the sheep gate, y'all. Don't stay paralyzed in whatever's going on in your life, your circumstances, your, your fear, whatever's going on. Don't stay paralyzed. Keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Keep praying, keep believing, keep worshiping. Worship when you don't feel like it. That's when you really need to worship. When you don't feel like it. Your praise, God inhabits your praise. You need a touch from him, worship. Worship in your lowest moment, worship. It don't ha- you don't have to sound as good as they do up here. I don't. Worship anyway. Pray anyway. Keep believing. Because you know what? Jesus will show up when you least expect it. Amen. Amen. Or when you've run out of things to try. Yeah. When you've run out of hope. You've run out of the whatever to pray. That's when he's going to show up. And when Jesus shows up, you don't have to worry about getting your story straight. You know how you do. You get your story straight. Oh, let me get it all together. Make sure I don't miss anything. I don't leave anything out. You don't have to have your story straight when Jesus shows up because you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about your story. When Jesus shows up, he's not even going to ask you what happened. It doesn't matter. Think about that. It doesn't matter. Because when Jesus showed up to this guy, did he ask him about his story? No. The guy started telling him, well, you know, this is what had happened. You know, these, this has happened and this is what. And Jesus just looked at him and said, dude, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? And he's going to ask you the same thing. Do you want to be well? Now, you know what? In the Bible, in a lot of the new translations of the Bible, it has the word well there. But that's not what Jesus asked. He asked the original Greek translation. That word is whole, not well, whole. Jesus asked him, do you want to be whole? Not just healed from what was crippling him, but healed in his entire mind, soul, spirit, and body. Jesus wanted to make this man complete. You know, when you've been messed up for a while, there's a lot of other things that are going to develop. Anger, bitterness, shame, guilt. This man needed to be made whole. He didn't just need to walk again. Jesus came to heal it all. All of it. But watch what happened when he asked if the man wanted to be whole. He started telling the story. 
Jesus already knew it, remember, because he sought this guy out. Wasn't the other way around. Again, Jesus came to him. This man had no idea he was even going to be there. He didn't think about it because he was so stuck and paralyzed in his situation. He wasn't even thinking, hey, the God of Almighty, the King of the universe could show up any minute and heal me. He wasn't even thinking about it. He was Jewish. He had to have known it was a festival. He had to have known. And I'm sure he had heard about Jesus. I mean, come on. Back then, everybody was hearing about Jesus, right? But he wasn't even thinking about that. And you know what? Sometimes when you've been in deep pain for so long, that's all you can look at. That's all you can look at. Your circumstances. What happened? What's going on now? What you're walking through? What you walked through? What they did? What they said? What happened? Sometimes when you're so hurt and so whatever it is, all you look at it is that. That's all you look at. You can't keep looking at that. You got to look up. You got to look at Jesus because he's much bigger than whatever it is you're facing. God already knows what you've been through. He knows all the details. He knows what they said. He knows what you said. He knows what happened. And you know what? He's offering the answer. When he shows up, he's got the answer for you. He wants you to look at him and believe that he can make you whole. There's a purpose in your pain. But if you stay focused on the pain, you're going to miss the purpose. When this guy saw that Jesus wasn't engaging with him with all the reasons, but was giving him a solution, this man had enough sense to get up and walk. He stopped talking. And you know what? He walked into his wholeness. We have to be willing to do what God tells us to do, especially when we have a reason to stay in our pain. That's when we really have to do it. It's hard to do that. And you know why? Because the devil doesn't want you to be free. He doesn't want you to be free. And you know why? Because even he knows there's purpose in your pain and he is not about to let that purpose happen if he can avoid it. So he'll tempt you. He'll tempt you with things. He'll whisper to you and say, nobody really cares. Just stay where you're at. God's not going to heal you. But you know what? That's exactly why we have to stay focused on Jesus and not our pain because there's a bigger picture, y'all. It's part of your destiny and it's part of eternity. It's part of eternity. Not one thing that we go through is just about us. Scripture says that God wants to use it for his good. Whatever the enemy meant to bring for evil, God wants to turn that around for his good. That's part of the purpose. And I want you to look at verse 10 and stay with me on this. Look at the reaction of the religious people when they saw this man was healed. Look at what they did. (laughs) You'd think they would have celebrated the miracle God did. They had to have known this man was paralyzed. 38 years, people know stuff, right? But no, you know what? They were more focused on what the man shouldn't have been doing than on what Jesus actually did. And that, that right there is exactly where religion misses it. There are church people and they say all the right things. And I'm not dissing church people. I'm church people. We all church people. But there are church people. They'll say all the right things, do all the right things, follow all the rules. They do all these good deeds. But then you turn around and they're judging. They're criticizing. They're talking. They're gossiping. We were created for relationship with God, not a religion with him. I'm going to say that again. We were created for relationship with God, not a religion with him. Religion is man-made and religion can absolutely never do what Jesus does. And he is what makes us whole. 
And you know what? I believe that's why Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath. Jesus had a habit of doing that, if you haven't noticed. He has a habit of doing unconventional things that the religious people don't think we're supposed to be doing on, on the Sabbath. He has a habit of that. Because you know what? He broke their rules and he was sending everybody a message. Check this out. Tell you what I mean. Mark 12, 8. Mark 12, Matthew 12, 8. Jesus refers to himself as the Lord of the Sabbath. This paralyzed man couldn't, couldn't participate in the Sabbath. He was paralyzed. He couldn't go anywhere. No job, no money. He couldn't participate in the Sabbath. So you know what? The Lord of the Sabbath came to him. Mm. That's savage Jesus, y'all. That's the Jesus who was always railing against the religious people. Because you know what they were doing? They were so worried about the rules. They were supposed to be leading people to Jesus, and they weren't. They seem to like to prefer, and ju- to prefer to judge people and hurt people. This broken man needed to be made whole again, and Jesus intentionally did it on the Sabbath. There was a bigger purpose in this man's pain. It wasn't about the rules. Jesus healed him on the Sabbath, perhaps, perhaps, because he wanted to give the Jews another chance to see that he truly was the Messiah. He truly was the Son of God. He is the savior of the world. But that's not the whole story. Not the whole story. The next encounter Jesus has with this man is at the temple complex. Now think about that. First time he saw him, where was he? He was in this mystical, magical watering hole looking for healing, right? An ungodly place. But the second time, the second time Jesus finds him, Jesus found him the first time, Jesus found him the second time. It was no accident Jesus slipped off into the crowd, y'all. There's no, it wasn't time for him to say what he had to say when he said, I'm I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm here. I'm healing this man on the Sabbath. Don't y'all remember? It's not in the scripture. That's one of those details, but that's what was going down, y'all. The second time Jesus finds this man, he's in the church. Let me tell you something. When God breaks you free of some stuff, you're going to know it was him. And you're going to want to go straight to the church. You're going to know it was him. And all those other places and things that you used to run to for healing or relief, thinking they're going to make you whole, they're just not going to have their appeal anymore. They're just not. I know this because you know what? When I was 25, my dad died in a fire. I was devastated. I was completely knocked down by that. My dad and I were very close. He was always my, my biggest fan, my cheerleader. He always supported me. I mean, when I get in trouble at school, my dad would show up and try to make it all about them people and not me. Now, that's not a good thing, but me and my dad were very close. So when he died, that knocked me on my feet, y'all. I mean, there were times when I was a young woman, I had made some bad choices. And even though I was a single mom living in a really bad part of Houston, y'all, talk about the hood. Lord have mercy. My dad would drive all the way over there while I was at work and he cut my grass. And then he'd leave me a few bucks on the table for, for gas money. And he still encouraged me. He said, baby, it's going to get better one day. I depended on my dad for a lot, for everything, for emotional support. So when he died, I was lost, y'all. I was lost. I didn't know what to do. I questioned God. I lost a lot of my faith. And you know what? I started to turn to all kinds of things, all kinds of things and people to numb the pain and to fill the void that my dad left in my heart when he died. 
And this went on for 12 years. It went on for 12 years until Jesus showed up. And when Jesus showed up, he told me, get up and walk out. And that's what I did. I walked out of that darkness. I walked out of that bad place because Jesus started to make me whole, y'all. And I have never gone back to those things or those places that I used to go to for healing. You know what? Here's the thing, guys. When God heals your brokenness, well, first of all, he sees you and he knows your pain. He knows when your faith is weak. He knows when you can't even muster enough to pray. He's going to come to you and he's going to heal your brokenness. You know what? He doesn't just come to you. Let me stay on that for a second. He doesn't just come to you. He pursues you. He pursues you. He will find you. He will leave the 99 for the one. He will pursue you because healing in his hands and he wants to give it to you. That's how much he loves you. Lord, let them get that in their hearts. He loves you. He will pursue you. I don't care where you are. You could be like I was on a bar stool thinking God knows what. And he will show up and he will call you and he will woo you. He will draw you in. That's how much he loves you. And when he does, you have a choice to make. You can stay there paralyzed by what happened. Or you can get up and walk into wholeness. Your choice. If this paralyzed man would have stayed there laying in his paralysis, he would have died at that pool in his brokenness. But he got up. He got up out of his misery, out of his depression, out of his discouragement, his sadness, his hopelessness. He got up out of his paralyzed state and he walked and he went to the house of God. And you know what? The story could end there and it'd be a powerful message, right? But there's more. This man had a past. We all got a past. I don't care who you are. You got a past. We all have a past and Jesus knew it. We don't know it. The details again are missing, but Jesus knew he had a past because you know what? Look at what he tells him in verse 14. He says, see, you're well, do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. I don't want to say sin doesn't, I want to tell you that sin doesn't necessarily cause paralysis, but sin has consequences, y'all. Let me tell you what I mean. My daughters have an uncle that they've never met. They probably don't even know about him because nobody really mentions him anymore. But you know what? Here's what happened. He died when he was 15. He died at a house party in North Houston. And you know what happened? He had asked his parents to go to this party and they said, no, you can't go. And you know what he did? He disobeyed his parents and he snuck out and he went to the party anyway and he was stabbed and killed that night. Sin has consequences. You might not want to hear that. That's not cupcakes and sprinkles, but that's the truth with a capital T. Sin has consequences. And maybe this man's paralysis was caused by his own decision, the choice he made to be in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. We don't know, but Jesus did. And here he is lovingly, compassionately warning this guy to stop all that or face the consequences if he continues living that life. Remember, remember, Jesus made this man whole. It wasn't just about healing his paralysis. This man was made whole. He was healed of his paralysis, but he was also healed in his soul. He was healed 
in Jesus's infinite mercy to be a witness to others to the goodness of God and not to return to his former way of life. When about that? Jesus knew this man's temptations just like he knows ours. And so he warned him, don't go back to living the way you used to live or something worse is going to happen. When Jesus sets us free, we got to do our part to stay free, y'all. When we face trials or obstacles or deep loss or situations or circumstances, our part is to turn to God. Turn to God for the healing. Turn to God to turn things around. Don't turn to other things. Don't turn to other things looking for relief that only God can bring. You know, I have a friend named Judy. My friend Judy lost her husband of 62 years a couple of weeks ago. 62 years, that's longer than I, I'm old. It's it's more than I'm old. 62 years. And just a few days since his passing, spending time with her, she has taught me what it looks like to lean on God in the midst of deep, deep sorrow and grief and loss. I went to um, have coffee with her just the other day. And you know what? Basically, the entire time, she was encouraging me in my ministry, encouraging me, encouraging my life, encouraging this church. She was speaking life into this church. Y'all don't even know Judy like that. And she was speaking life over y'all all the time that she's planning the funeral for her sweetheart of 62 years. That's what it looks like to lean on Jesus when things are hard. That's what it looks like to let him be your strength. You're everything. This is how you stay free, guys. You press into Jesus when you don't know what else to do. When you get knocked down, you got to look up. Don't stay focused on your circumstances. Get your eyes off your circumstances. Look up, get up, and walk, and let him make you whole again. You know, the world we live in is full of spiritually disabled people. They need to see the power and goodness of God working in your life. Remember, there's purpose in your pain. You are healed to be whole, to lead others to God so they can be whole. To show others there's hope in Jesus. Don't stay paralyzed another day. Get up and walk into your freedom, y'all. Don't stay paralyzed by fear, by doubt. Reach out to Jesus. Ask him, ask him to give you wholeness and he'll show up and he'll set you free. No questions asked. Will you bow your heads? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I know that there are people here today that have been through some stuff. We need to be made whole, Lord. Father, I pray that your spirit will just permeate the walls of our hearts. Maybe some hearts are a little hard, Father, because circumstances will cause you to do that. God, I pray that you soften hardened hearts, Lord. You break down the walls of discouragement, fear, pain. God, some of us here are suffering from physical pain. Some of us have been in it a long time, Lord. Be the great physician and show up and bring healing to this house, Lord. Bring physical healing, Lord. 
Put muscles back together where they're supposed to be. Put bones back together, Lord. You can do it. You are the God Almighty. You're the great healer, the great physician. Father, I ask you in this moment to show up and bring healing and wholeness to every single person in your house today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we can turn to you because you truly are a very present help in time of need. Father, as you break down the walls that have been built up by circumstances and pain, Lord, turn our hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. Wherever there's a little hardening, Lord, I pray you rub off the callus. And we thank you for your spirit here, Lord. We thank you for your word that's alive, that changes us from the inside out. We bless your holy name. Jesus' name.